Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. Equity, diversity, and inclusion is not very inclusive. What do I mean by that? Well, today we're going to take a look at how this equity, diversity, and inclusion is affecting our colleges and our universities. And you may say, well, why do I care? I'm not going and taking classes there. Um, but it's if it hasn't already, it's probably coming to your own workplace, and it's going to affect where you work as well very, very soon. From an article from John Saylor, who writes for the Free Press, he says, in June 2020, Gordon Klein, a longtime accounting lecturer at UCLA, made the news after a student emailed him asking him to grade black students more leniently in the wake of the unjust murders of Ahmaud Arbery, uh, Breonna Taylor, and George Floyd. Well, Klein's response was blunt, and it stated in part this. Thanks for your suggestion in your email below that I give black students special treatment, given the tragedy in Minnesota. Do you know the names of the classmates that are black? And how can I identify them since we've been having online classes only? Are there any students that may be of mixed percentage? Uh, such as half black, half Asian. What do you suggest I do with respect to them? A full concession or just half? Remember that MLK famously said that people should not be evaluated based on the color of their skin. Do you think that your requests would run afoul to MLK's admonition? Thanks, G. Klein. Well, Klein's response, I love that response, by the way. Klein's response enraged students. They organized a petition to remove him that quickly gained nearly 20,000 signatures, resulting in the professor being placed on leave and banned from campus. But the story got national attention, and a counterpetition signed by more than 76,000 people demanded his reinstatement. And in less than three weeks, Klein was allowed to return to the classroom. Yet, his encounters with what UCLA calls equity, diversity, and inclusion, or DEI, uh, e, uh, uh, were far from over. Just under a year later, Klein, the author of a textbook on ethics in accounting, was up for a merit raise. For the first time in his 40 years as UCLA, at UCLA, Klein told uh, this particular author um, said that he that Klein told me that he had to submit a statement on equity, diversity, and inclusion. UCLA had uh, adopted this as a promotion requirement in 2019, and now demands that all faculty members express how they will advance these principles in their work and how their mentoring and advising helps those, quote, from underrepresented and underserved populations, unquote. Well, Klein inquired of the EDI office just what groups of students they meant. When they failed to reply, he wrote a dissent and he made available this dissent 
to this particular author, which reads in part this, I find it abhorrent for the university to encourage faculty members to classify and prioritize students based on their group identities. I intend to continue helping all students equally, regardless of their backgrounds, unquote. Although his, his previous teaching evaluations were sterling and he had received prior merit raises, this one was declined. <laughs> Shocker, right? <laughs> Klein has, has brought lawsuit against UCLA. And the struggle between Klein and UCLA represents a major shift in the mission of higher education in America. The principles commonly known as diversity, equity, and inclusion, or DEI, are meant to sound like a promise to provide welcome and opportunity to all on campus. And to the ordinary American, those values sound, well, really, they, they, they sound unjectionable. But many working in academia increasingly understand that they in instead imply a set of controversial political and social views, and that in order to advance in their careers, they must demonstrate fealty to vague and ever-expanding DEI demands and to the people who enforce them. Failing to comply or expressing doubt or concern means risking career ruin. In a short time, DEI imperatives have spawned a growing bureaucracy that holds enormous power within universities. The, the ranks of DEI um, vice presidents, deans, and, and officers are, are ever-growing. Princeton has more than 70 administrators devoted to DEI. And get this, Ohio State has 132 administrators devoted to DEI. They now take part in dictating things like hiring and promotion and tenure and, and research funding even. More significantly, the concepts of DEI have become guiding principles in higher education valued as equal to or even more important than the basic function of the university. The rigorous pursuit of truth is what they should be concerned about. Summarizing uh, it, it's, its hiring practices, for example, UC Berkeley College of Engineering declared that, quote, excellence in advancing equity and inclusion must be considered on par with excellence in research and teaching. Yeah. Likewise, in an article describing their cultural change initiative, as they call it, several deans at Mount Sinai's uh, Iken, uh, School of Medicine declared, quote, there is no priority in medical education that is more important than addressing the elimination uh, and, and eliminating racism and biases. Wow. That's their number one thing at that school of medicine. DEI has also become a priority for many of the organizations that accredit universities. Last year, the Council for Higher Education Accreditation, all, along with several other university accrediting bodies, adopted its own DEI statement, proclaiming that quote, the rich values of diversity, equity, and inclusion are inextricably linked 
to quality assurance in higher education, unquote. These accreditors, in turn, pressure universities and schools into adopting DEI measures. Much of this happens by fiat with really little discussion. While interviewing more than two dozen professors for this article, he says, I was told repeatedly that few within academia dare express their skepticism about DEI. Many professors who are privately critical of DEI declined to speak even anonymously for fear of professional consequences. So how has this fundamental shift taken place? Well, gradually, and then all at once. (laughs) For decades, university administrators have emphasized their commitment to racial diversity. In, In 1978, Supreme Court Justice Lewis Powell delivered the court's opinion in uh, uh, Regents of the University of California versus Bakey. Now, t- they, they, they were taking up the question of, of racial preferences in higher education. And Powell argued that racial preferences in administration uh, admissions, in other words, affirmative action, right, could be justified on the basis of diversity broadly defined. Colleges and universities were happy to adopt this reasoning, and by the 1980s, diversity was a popular rallying cry among university administrators. And by the the 2010s, as the number of college administrators ballooned, this commitment to diversity was often backed by bureaucracies that bore such titles as inclusive excellence or diversity and belonging. They all sound great, don't they? Around 2013, the University of California system, which governs six of the nation's top 50 ranked universities, began to experiment with mandatory diversity statements in hiring. Diversity statements became a standard requirement in the system by the end of the decade. And the University of Texas at Austin in 2018 published a university diversity and inclusion action plan, which began to embed diversity committees throughout the university. Then came the Black Lives Matter demonstrations of 2020, right? We all remember those. The response on campus was a viral um, Cambrian explosion of DEI policies. Any institution that hadn't previously been on board was pressured to make large-scale commitments to DEI. Those already committed redoubled their efforts. And UT Austin created a strategic plan for facility diversity, equity, and inclusion, calling for consideration of faculty members' contributions to DEI when considering merit raises and promotion. Get this, White Coats for Black Lives. Yes, White Coats for Black Lives is a a medical student organization that calls for the dismantling of prisons, police, capitalism, and patient law. They successfully petitioned medical schools around the country to adopt similar plans, including the UNC Chapel Hill, Oregon Health and Science University, and Columbia University. In some cases, administrators even asked White Coats for Black Lives members to help craft the new plans. All at once, policies that previously seemed extreme, like DEI requirements for tenure and mandatory education in critical race theory, became widespread. The upshot is that the entire experience 
of higher education, from earning a college degree to seeking a career in academia, now requires saturation in the principles of DEI. Many American college students are now required to take DEI, anti-racism or social justice courses. At, At Georgetown, all undergraduates must take two engaging diversity courses. At Davidson College, the requirement goes under the title of Justice, Equity, and Community, which students can fulfill by taking courses like like racial capitalism and reproduction and queer performance. Northern Arizona University um, recently updated its general education curriculum to require nine credit hours of diversity perspectives courses, including a unit on intersectional identities. DEI is also becoming a de facto academic discipline. In in 2021, Berkeley University in Massachusetts created a DEI major. Last year, the Warrenton School announced its introduction of a DEI uh, concentration for undergraduates and a DEI major for MBA students. Meantime, the open facility Positions listing, uh, listings at universities across the country illustrate how a focus on race and on gender, on social justice, and, and critical race theory can be crucial to landing a job. Just last year, the University of Houston downtown sought an instructor in early modern British literature, including Shakespeare. Okay, so how could that be wrapped up in all this? But they required with a they had a preference specialization in critical race studies at Wake Forest University. An uh, applicant for uh, assistant professor of Spanish should be someone quote whose critical perspectives are linked to the experiences of groups historically underrepresented in higher education in ways that inform and influence their approach. Unquote. Williams College recently sought an assistant professor of German who works, quote, in the areas of uh, uh, migration, race, and anti-racism post and uh, uh, colonial approaches, disability, and or memory studies, unquote. That's German. (laughs) These imperatives often come from the top. In May, the Board of Governors for California Community Colleges, the CCC, which is the largest system of higher education in, in the county, or I'm sorry, in the country, uh, decreed that every employee, faculty, staff, and administrators must be evaluated for their diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility com- uh, competencies. Each district in the system ultimately decides how to enforce the new rule. But the the, the chancellor's office released a list of recommended competencies. It suggested faculty create a curriculum that, quote, promotes a race-conscious and intersectional lens, unquote, and an advocate for anti-racist uh, goals and initiatives. Ray Sanchez, facility coordinator uh, of the academic um, success centers at uh, Madura Community College sent uh, this particular author a document published by the system that describes how to incorporate DEI into criteria. Quote, take care, the document declares, not to weaponize academic freedom 
and academic integrity as tools to impede equity in an academic discipline or inflict uh, curricular trauma, as they put it, on our students, especially historically marginalized students. It is telling that the CCC system warns against taking academic freedom too far, especially for the sake of avoiding curricular trauma, right? After all, a successful liberal education inevitably involves challenging students, unquestioned assumptions, and an and experience that is unsettling by design. Applying the language of trauma to this enterprise, well, it pathologizes uh, leading itself, really. And in, in, in higher education, academic freedom is, well, sacrosanct, a, a viral tool for f- facilitating the pursuit of truth. But now that the CCC treats academic freedom with suspicion, if we need to be culturally uh, uh, responsive in the classroom, well, what does that look like? We, we have it right here. Matthew Garrett, professor of history and ethics studies, uh, ethics studies at the CCC Bakerfield College, and a rare public critic of the system's new policy, said about the document, "You can't weaponize a- academic freedom." Well, some DEI initiatives seem almost designed to create distrust. I mean, especially between. Now, facility and students at the the Mount Sinai's uh, Incan uh, School of of Medicine, when describing their work, the program's creator asserted that it's important to accept that if we are white, we are a big part of the problem, and we are part of the reason that structural racism imprisons and oppresses people of color every day, everywhere they go, and no matter what they do, unquote. The program's creators also emphasize that when anyone on campus reports a concern about racism and bias, quote, we unconditionally accept what they, uh, what they are describing really happened and needs to be explored, addressed, and resolved, unquote. They acknowledge there can be multiple versions of a story, but assert that someone's living lived experience of racism and bias is all we need to know about its impact on them, whether it is intended or not. They followed up this uh, initiative with an anti-racist transformation in medical education training program to help other medical schools uh, emulate Mount Sinai. The first adopters included top schools such as Duke and Columbia. The Mount Sinai program underscores a point that comes up repeatedly when, when, when speaking with facility members. Some claims, um, especially about race and racism, are treated as unassailable. I mean, if, if somebody makes the claim, then it really happened. You have to believe them. Jonathan uh, Hadet, uh is the co-author of The uh, Coddling of the American Mind as a professor 
of ethical leadership at the at New York University's Sterling School of Business. Now, he warned about this redefinition of racism and about the rise of the ideological groupthink in academia. And in his field of social psychology in in particular. Uh, Twelve years ago, uh, Haidt uh, gave a, a keynote address at an annual convention of the Society of Personality and, uh, and Social Psychology, the SPSP, uh, pointing out the trend toward groupthink and arguing that it was bad science. Well, fast forward to September of last year, and the the month that Haidt announced his departure from SPSP, uh, citing the organization's new diversity statement policy uh, for scholars to present their work at SPSP annual convention, they now have to submit a statement explaining how they, their talk advances the equity, inclusion, and anti-racism goals of the society. When he said when SPSP specifically used the word anti-racism, that's when I had to act because I, I read uh, Ibram uh, Kendi's work, said Hyatt, referring to the author of the you know, 2019's How to Be an Anti-Racist book. Uh, Kendi's work is the basis of much employment training, both in academia and business, and it popularizes the notion that, that anti-racism requires embarrassing, I'm sorry, and embracing race conscious policies and asserts that all radical disparities are by definition racist. So if there's any kind of disparity whatsoever in any kind of number, then it's because of racism. Kennedy demands a, a, a totality, uh, a, a, um, a whole total approach to what, um, to what that means. And, and what he's saying is that, that you, if you're, it's not just, uh, good enough to not be racist, you have to be anti-racist. So in other words, SPSP, one of the organizations where Hyatt first expressed his concern about ideological conformity now mandates ideological conformity, right? It's easy to imagine that DEI would find it, its natural home in the humanities, but Disciplines such as engineering, medicine, and physics quickly are becoming bastions of DEI as well. Leaders from the Association of American Medical Colleges recently proclaimed that DEI deserves just as much attention from leaders and educators as every at every stage of their careers as the late, latest scientific breakthroughs. Wow. The federal government also is doing its part to infuse DEI into the sciences. The Department of Energy Office of science is the nation's largest sponsor of, um, of physical sciences. And it re- recently announced that all new research proposals must include its pro- uh, promoting inclusive and, ex- uh, and equitable research plan at the time that they announce uh, that, that they go for a grant. So to get a grant, scientists must describe how equity and inclusion are an intrinsic element to advancing scientific excellence in the research project. One medical researcher at an elite institution who required anonymity told uh, this particular author that grants for medical research increasingly used veil ideological language that focuses on issues, issues such as health equity and racial disparities. Quote, the answer is preordained. 
The case of disparities is racism, he told him. If you find some other explanation, even if it's technically correct, that's problematic, unquote. This fixation can have a uh, really a, a stultifying effect on the medical research. Uh, basically, what what they're saying is that you're not you're, you're going to get fake research, fake standards, uh, aligning with ideolo- the, the the ideologies of uh, of these people and instead of real medical research. Another physician scientist at the top at a top medical school also pointed out that all uh, an all-out focus on research that documents racial disparities crowds out others, more consequential areas of, of scientific research. So in other words, what's happening is because there's so much focus on this DEI, real research in, uh, into other, uh, other subjects is not getting done. All the money is going to this. A growing number of universities, such as UCLA, where Gordon Klein ran into trouble, now con- now c- consider their f- facility members' uh, contributions to DEI as a criterion for hiring, promotion, and tenure. UC Berkeley's uh, rubric for, for evaluating DEI contributions, which is used by universities around the country, dictates a low score for a candidate who professes a desire to treat everyone the same. So you say you're going to treat everybody the same, you're out. Diversity statements, uh, short essays on job candidates, past uh, efforts, and future plans to advance DEI have long been in vogue for hiring. And according to the American Association of University Professors uh, and and the 2022 survey of tenure practices, get this, almost half, 45.6%, of large institutions surveyed had DEI criterion for tenure, and and almost a third, at thirty five point five percent, were considered adding them. Only eighteen percent didn't have or weren't considering having them. To to boost facility diversity, um, many universities are resorting to a practice known as cluster hiring. That is hiring multiple professors at once across multiple departments to increase the likelihood of hiring minority facility members. Uh, cluster, hiring, cluster hiring initiatives often access candidates' contributions to DEI as their very first criterion. In, in 2018, UC Berkeley launched a cluster hire across several life uh, science departments. Of the 893 qualified applicants, the hiring committee narrowed the pool down to just 214 based solely on the candidate's diversity statements. Finalists then were asked to describe their DEI efforts during their interviews, and the initiative yielded an eyebrow-raising result. The initiative applicant pool was 53.7% white and 13.2% Hispanic. The shortlist was 13.6% white and 59.1% Hispanic, a complete flip after they did that with the interviews. In 2020, the National Institute of Health, NIH, as we know it, began a $241 million cluster hiring grant program specifying that the facilities hired must have a demonstrated commitment to promoting diversity and inclusive experience and excellence. So far, it has awarded grants for hiring at 12 institutions, including University of South Carolina, Cornell University, and Florida State University. 
one one humanities professor said that after his department creates a final group of candidates, quote, a lawyer in the DEI office will make a determination as to whether this slate of candidates is diverse enough. If it's not diverse enough in their uh, estimation, they can they can kick out the slate back to the research committee. Professors across multiple disciplines have said this is the standard practice. One said DEI offers um, officers have have the power to simply cancel searches. If we got this this gaming of the of the hiring process across the board, so that the the new generation of professors are are that much more ideologically pure. These are the people who believe that the dissent research shouldn't be given a voice at all. I mean, we shouldn't be able to, 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 to disagree with them at all. Little is being done to, to halt the, um, the, the intrusion of DEI into higher education. Academic jobs are, are previously scarce uh, for, for many disciplines, which encourage graduate students and young scholars to avoid rocking the boat at all costs. Quote, there's a general fear that if you push back, you'll be marked for being on the wrong side. One professor told this this particular author that there's no way to guard against how your colleagues will evaluate you for tenure in the future. And as allegiance to DEI has become a formal job requirement, Men, even many senior facility members remain silent out of a sense of self-preservation. As, as former dean of Harvard Medical School, Jeffrey Flyer uh, told this particular author, it is considered politically and socially tenuous to bring up the subject even. We don't even want to talk about it. Still, some are pushing back. In August, the Academic Freedom Alliance released a statement co-authored by Flyer calling for an end to the practice of mandatory DEI statements. Quote, it is one thing for schools to take action against wrongful discriminatory conduct. Institutions are under a legal as well as a moral and, and teaching obligation to do that. The statement reads this. It says, a very different and disturbing thing is monitoring beliefs by demanding pledges and allegiance to an array of policies that are often vague, frequently ambiguous, and invariably controversial. The Foundation for Individual Rights and, and Expression, or it's also known as FIRE, F-I-R-E, has also issued numerous statements opposing DEI requirements that violate the First Amendment. The National Association of Scholars frequently publishes reports on DEI serving as a watchdog on the issue. And uh, NYU's Jonathan Hyatt um, hopes that his resignation from the Society of Personality and Social Psychology will be a wake-up call for his fellow academics, but his outlook is pessimistic, of course. It, it, it is morally wrong, he says, but it is also in, incompatible with scientific inquiry, which requires total fidelity to the truth. Hyatt said uh, this in in uh, of his DEI requirements that prompted his decision to leave, that this, the way that institutions collapse is that they become structurally stupid. That means people can no longer object. They, they have to go along with the orthodoxy. 
Hyatt said that this isn't an issue just in his field of psychology. It's about the biggest problem facing our country, the collapse of our institutions. And I think we're seeing that. I really do think we're seeing a collapse of many trusted institutions. And once that trust is gone, it's going to be very difficult to get it back. And it is the, the beginning of the downfall. Uh, you may agree with that and you may disagree with that. I would love to hear from you because I think this DEI stuff is very dangerous and it's growing. And you can always comment and you can always start that discussion with me right here at UncommonSensePodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications.